Welcome to Creative Income, a podcast that focuses on making a living in the creative space. Whether you're an actor, filmmaker, musician, painter, or anything that doesn't fit the nine to five mold, there is value for you here. I'm Lars Lindstrom. Let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Creative Income. I'm your host, Lars Lindstrom. I'm so happy you're here. Truly, I mean it. I know you. I don't know you, maybe, but I know you. And, uh, and I appreciate you. <laughs> How are we doing? Everybody doing okay? Everybody hanging in there? Um, I'm great. I'm doing great. Marla is on the podcast today. Marla Sokoloff is a great friend of mine. Um, she was a child actor. She moved into directing. That's how I met her as a director. Um, we shot a film called Sweet on You um, back at the end of 2022, I think. Yeah, so it's been a little, it's been a minute. We recorded this podcast last year uh, during the strike, so we talk a little bit about that. Um, but it's a very informative, great episode, um, and I'm excited to release it to the world uh, for you guys to enjoy. Um, beyond that, if you could do me a favor, and uh, if you could share the podcast with some friends, that would be fantastic, either on social media or word of mouth. Um, that little bit of growth is very inspiring to me and uh, wants me to, it, it enables me to continue the podcast. Um, cause we're all looking for that dopamine hit, you know, I'm the same as you and, uh, it helps, helps a lot. So let's just, uh, jump into the episode and we'll recap at the end. Hey Marla, do you want to, thank you so much for being here. First of all. Thanks for having me. You know, I, I saw your podcast would come up on like maybe my TikTok or reels or something on Instagram. And I'm like, why isn't Lars asked me to be on this <laughs> podcast? Like, obviously he should have me on. Obviously. Were you offended? Yeah. I'm curious. I mean, everything <laughs> offends me. So <laughs> yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, no, it just made a lot of sense. I, uh, like, I don't know why I hadn't asked you before, but uh, I was kind of, I was driving home, like I said, from Idaho and I went, you know, I, have I ever asked Marla to be on the podcast? I don't think I have. So that's where that, that came from. So thank you well, for I'm being here. Well, I'm very honored. Thank you for oh, having perfect. me. Yeah. Hey, why don't you, why don't you start by telling us um, who you are and, and uh, what you've done in the industry um, okay. for your, for your life. And then we'll go from there. Sure. Uh, my name is Marla Sokoloff. I am an actor, director, writer, um, been in the business for, I figured out yesterday when I went to go um, pick it, you had to bring your SAG card and oh. mine was from 1992. And I had a moment of, it was like a, wow, I've been doing this for such a long time, 31 years, but also what the hell am I doing? No, I'm just kidding. I was like, it, I was proud. I'm like, wow, I've been doing this. I've been at this for such a long time and I still love it. And I'm still crazy enough to stay in it. So that made me feel very proud. Um, yeah, 30, so 31 years. Um, so you're a child actor. Uh, yeah. what age did you start? I mean, I, well, we don't have to do the math here, but, uh, uh yeah, well, it's, it's kind of like a, I was actually asking my mom this morning because I, you know, was telling her about yesterday's and then the, the striking and all this stuff because she doesn't, she doesn't live here anymore. So she doesn't really know much about it. And, um, I said, what was the thing that got me my SAG card and, and how did I start acting? And I mean, I know how I started acting, but what was the thing that got me in the union? And I did a, uh, background work on that movie. So I married an ax murderer, which is so long <laughs> ago. It was Mike Myers and oh, Bill yeah. Hartman. And, uh -huh. um, there's a scene where they're at Alcatraz and I grew up in San Francisco. So my mom saw that they were looking for background actors at Al Alcatraz. And I'm like a very featured extra, like I'm walking through the shot and I'm like really looking around Alcatraz, like so interested anyway. So that was the thing that got me. Um, but I think I must've been like, well, if it was 19, I was 12. 
So was that something that you were interested in or was that something that maybe your, your parents were a little bit interested in or your mom specifically? My parents were very much not interested. I had yeah. always done like plays growing up and I loved, I mean, from the moment I was um, on this earth, I was singing and dancing and I was just that kid, you know, it's like now that you're a dad, you see the kids that you're like, oh, they got that thing, you know, and they're that really thing. drawn yep. to it. Yeah. And I was very much, you know, the pusher there. And I remember I had a friend who her mom used to take her to LA for pilot season Ooh. and I was so jealous and I wanted to do that too. And I think it took me a couple of years before my mom and dad finally agreed to give me one month. They were like, you get one month, you could try this pilot season thing, but then you're coming home. And then I got my first job, which was full house. And then I never came <laughs> back home. <laughs> so I, okay. So was that something that, did you go down to Los Angeles for, during pilot season with your friend's mom or was it your parents that you brought you down? Like what was the, what was the thing that finally made that happen? Um, so I was doing community theater. Well, actually there's a company called ACT in San Francisco, the American conservatory theater. And I was doing a plays with them and I had, I was in a lot of classes and there was an agent who kind of suggested to my mom that that would be a good idea for me to get an agent. And so I think hearing it from another person made her feel, oh, maybe she is good at this. Maybe we should try. Um, so my mom mm -hmm. is the one who came down with me and in full disclosure, my parents' marriage was like already kind of like unraveling. So I feel like my mom was like, let's go to LA. Like, let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Um, she might have a different story, but, um, <laughs> let's get her on the podcast next week. Yeah, let's, we'll have, exactly. We'll do like uh, family therapy with her and I know, yeah, um, <laughs> uh -huh. but, uh, yeah, so I feel like she, um, begrudgingly came, but like really saw that this was something I loved. And I'm sure that she's not a stage mom on any level. Like that was actually something that I feel like got me out of being a crazy or child actor. Like my mom was super grounded. My parents both gave me lots of good morals and values and, um, yeah. kept me in line. So, so, um, can we talk about full house for a second? Uh, sure. what a job to land. I mean, just like yeah. one of the greatest, like most popular sitcoms of all time. What was your, yeah. who's your character and, and talk to us about the audition process. So I played a character named Gia and she was like the bad girl on the show. And mm. <clears throat> I mean, the audition for me, it's like, I don't have a ton of memories that are as vivid as this audition because I was such a fan of the show. And yeah. I remember getting the audition, like, oh, you know, they want you to come in for full house. And that was like it, you know, like every kid was obsessed with that show and it was to play yeah. Stephanie's like arch nemesis. And, um, <laughs> so I went to the audition and the casting director was like, so sweet. She was like, you know, you're great, great read, but like your face, you just have such a sweet face. You know, I know that they would never like, they're looking for like a tougher person. And I don't know what kind of confidence I had at that age, but I said to her, bring me back for the producers. And I promise you, I will, you know, I'll do it a tougher version. I'll give you what you want. So my mom, she said, she let me, which I feel like a casting director now would be like, no dear. I said, no, like get the hell out. Um, but she did. She said, okay, come back for the producers today at three or whatever. And my mom wow. and I went to the Goodwill and got like a denim vest and like cut off shorts. And I wear my Doc Martens and I went in back to the audition and I was in character and she was like, Marla, are you ready? And I was like, what? And I just stayed in that like, you know, grumpy, you know, hard edged character the whole time. And Ugh. I would never do that today, by the way. Like, why? I don't know. I feel like kids just are just, they have confidence. They're just unaware. You know, I didn't know. I just was like, oh, it they want you me to apart, be bad though, that's, It's like, yeah. if, if that's the thing that's booking rules, like yeah. if you have to go out on a limb here and kind of break some rules. Yeah. Is that, is I that. Know. 
Well, some I feel like now, like in my forties, people would be like, "She's completely unhinged," you know. Yeah. Like when you're twelve, it's like cute, you know. But when like, you're a grown woman and you're coming in, like. <laughs> <laughs> with a massive attitude, they probably would call my agent and be like, she was very rude to everybody Who, here. Why did you recommend her? <laughs> <laughs> She's got a terrible attitude. So did you, any callbacks or anything do you remember or was it just like you got the No, part? because it was supposed to just be one episode. So oh, I got no the part way. very quickly. And um, I don't know how – it's funny. I just did Dave Coulier's podcast. He played Joey for all those years and we we had this exact same conversation. I'm like, I don't remember how it became like one episode – to two years. Um, but it did. Yeah. So what was that like? Um, talk to me about uh, what opportunities that created, how did that change your life? Uh, did you move to Los Angeles permanently? Um, once that became a recurring role or, or talk to me about that process a little bit. Yeah. Um, we didn't move here right away. Like I think we, I didn't officially move here for like two years. So we were commuting a lot. Um, and it did open up a lot of doors. Like I think I did a long series of different guest stars on all these different, you know, um, sitcoms, which was great. Um, I'm trying to remember like the exact path that, <laughs> that happened, but yeah, I mean, I think it was, I mean, even still to this day, like people recognize me from that the most, which is That's so funny, crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and you, uh, of course, came back for Fuller House as well. So yeah. the, the saga continues. Yeah. Uh, you were the arch nemesis of Stephanie. That was Jody Sweeten's character, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you um, worked with Jody. I have. I've worked with Jody before. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you guys friends in real life? Yeah, I love Jody. I mean, <laughs> okay. so I you're feel not like. Arch, arch nemesis in real life. Yeah. You know, no, absolutely a, a not. I, I adore yeah. her. I think she's so great. You know, I, I, I've seen her, obviously, when we were doing Fuller House, we saw each other a bunch. I don't see her as recently now, but we still, you know, we'll chats, um, from time to time. Yeah. So did you talk to me about, so you booked this role. Did you have an agent at that time that kind of helped you Mm -hmm. through the the financing process? How did that happen? I I had an agent. Um, her name was Bonnie Leike. Um, she was absolutely fantastic. She had like Leonardo DiCaprio and I'm forgetting who else, but she had a lot of like very hot young actors at the time. Um, and she was such a great guide, you know, she really just, Hmm helped my mom and I understand what was happening and what to do. And, um, do you remember how think, that happened? How you had that door opened up? Yeah, I do. I had an agent in San Francisco who was, who like gave us a list of the top child acting agents in Los Angeles. And I think my mom just like blindly submitted my headshot and stuff to them. And maybe about like three or four of them were interested. And so we did a, um, they had me come in and you had to audition, like do a monologue, all of that stuff. <laughs> Well, how much do you attribute? I usually ask this question at the end, but I, I kind of feel like it's appropriate now. How much of your career path do you attribute to luck and how much do you attribute to hard work and passion hmm. and just uh, drive? Such a good question. I think at the beginning I had a little bit of like a beginner's luck because it really mm-hmm. was like not easy, but I did work a lot. But I also feel like the business has changed so much that had I had been that exact same person going for the exact same jobs today – I don't know if it would have had that same look to it, you know, Um, but certainly I worked really hard, you know, Um, I was always in classes. I was always super prepared. Um, I truly loved it. It was never something my parents forced me into or even necessarily wanted me to do. So it was all self-driven. But yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. I feel like at the beginning it was probably luck, but you know, over the years it's definitely been a journey. 
And how did the finances work um, being a miner? So, so you're on a sitcom, I, I assume making a pretty decent wage. Um, where is that money going? Is it set up in some sort of trust? Are you able to access it? Uh, the, these are questions that I just have no clue like what the answer yeah. is. So how does, yeah. how does that, some of that stuff work? So um, my parents were running my finances, obviously, you know, at 12 years old, you don't have like an accountant or anything. Yeah. Eventually I got a business manager. Um, but there's a rule or a law, the Jackie Coogan law, um, where any money, and, cause I think the way that law became established is he was a child actor and his parents wound up taking all of his money. Um, gotcha. don't quote me on that, but it, it was similar story. Um, yeah. and so he, somehow this law became, um, a very, popular law that if you're 18 and under, um, or a standard law rather, um, you have to give, and I don't know what the exact percentage is, so I'll have to Google it or you could Google it. I want to say it's like 15% yeah. for the Coogan account has to go immediately to the Coogan account. So okay. you have a separate account that's just taken. Your parents can't touch it. You can't touch it. It's just there. Um, and, and that's yeah, until then, you turn 18 or what's the, yeah, uh, what's yeah. The there? yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I never was one of those kids that supported their, this isn't the thing that like hinged upon my family eating or, you know, my dad was a mm. doctor. My mom worked. Um, she eventually stopped working to help me with my career, but it, I never like paid the rent for my family. Um, so everything that I made went to, um, an account for me, which is why I have $20 million now. It's amazing. <laughs> like I'm just the richest person. <laughs> Uh, I assume that's sarcasm. It's Unless, sarcasm. Uh, okay, it there is. we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, you you've worked a lot, and uh, I want to talk about how, how as you grew older, um, how the work maybe uh, changed for you or got mm -hmm. more exciting or less exciting. Um, different roles, and you matured a little bit. You're now 18. Uh, what sort of roles did you did you start landing? Yeah, that's such a good question because it changed for me a lot. And, and especially the financial component, because once yeah. I turned 18, it was like, oh, wow, I'm supporting myself. You know, this is mm. crazy. I, you know, the first thing I wanted to do, like most teenagers, I wanted to have my own place. I wanted to get out of my mom's house. My parents were divorced at this point. And my best friend and I were going to live together and we were going to get an <laughs> apartment. And, you know, we did all that. But it was a really big, rude awakening, you know, as far as having to support yourself. You know, I had never like most kids done that before. But, um, the other thing that was really interesting is I would say when I turned 16, I had just hit a wall where I just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And, yeah. um, I said, Tired I want to go to normal young. school. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I've never gone to normal school really. I mean, I did elementary school to seventh grade normal, like wasn't professional acting. Um, but then I wanted a high school experience. I wanted to go to prom. I wanted to do all of those mm. things. And I just was like, I'm, I need a, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. My mom was like, that's say the word we're done. You know, anytime I didn't want to do it, that was kind of our deal. And that's so, I so went great. To How supportive. I think that's probably, I mean, you, you are a, a very normal person and I've, I've <laughs> met some you. other child actors that are maybe not so normal. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I think that hearing, hearing your, your experience with your parents for me kind of solidifies that theory a little bit, right? 100%. I mean, that actually like gives me the chills a little bit, Lars, because I mm. feel so lucky that I, I, I'm asked this all the time. Like, how did you escape like the drugs and the the child fame? And I, cause I have a lot of friends who yeah. are not alive anymore. A yeah. lot of friends. Um, and I knew those people and I was actually in that world, but I never touched a thing. And I do think it, my parents really gave me the, you know, groundwork as a human being and 
to respect myself to just never do that. Also, my mom is terrifying. Like my mom is from (laughs) Philly. Like she was like, if you touch a drug, I'm going to kill you. Like, and I took that very seriously. Like I, my mom is like not Uh, playing around. Um, the only, like I, I say that about my mom too. Yeah. I was like, the only really? reason I am the way I am today is, is absolutely because my mom, I would be just lying in a ditch somewhere if it weren't for her, for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I'm still scared of her. I mean, like every time yeah. I get like a new little tattoo, I like hide it from her. Like I put bracelets over her. I don't want her to see, like, I'm still so scared of my mom. Like it still uh, works. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I went to normal school for um, my junior and senior year, but halfway through my senior year, I got a call from my agent who was, I wasn't in contact with anymore really because I wasn't auditioning as much. And, yeah. um, and, and he said, they're looking for this part. You know, somebody played this, this role on a show called the practice and it was already a show on TV. So I knew it. And he said, they cannot find this part. And I feel like you'd be so good for it. Would you go in? They can't find the girl, you know, would you just go mm-hmm. in? And I said, no, I was like, no, I don't, I'm so happy in school. I don't want to. And he was like, and the part was for a 21 year old and it was 17. I'm like, I'm not, I'm like too young for this. It's such a waste of my time. He said, fine. And then like a week later, he was like, just please. And I went and I got it. And of course oh was like gosh. so happy to <laughs> leave school. I was like, bye guys. I have to be on TV again. I'll see you later. <laughs> so was it the break that you were looking for this, this year and a half? I would think so. Yeah. It was really nice. Like I did go to the prom and I had like a normal boyfriend. He wasn't an actor. Um, Mm -hmm. and I got to do like the high school stuff and I loved it, but there was a part of me that was like still being pulled, you know, like I, that's all I wanted to do really at the end of the day. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, burnout's real. Right. And it's just like, I, everybody needs a break, especially when you're so young, you know, you're working from 12 to 16 nonstop. And it's just like, I mean, I get burnout as a 30 something year old, you know, so it's just like, like last year I was like, I, I got to stop doing movies for a little bit. And then you yeah, called you took and I was a pretty like, fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's great. Fine. I'll come shoot that. your movie, Marla. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. I brought you out of retirement. <laughs> <laughs> hardly, hardly. <laughs> oh, it was a pleasure. But um, yeah, so, so yeah, so you came out of retirement, you came out yeah. of your, uh, your little break and, mm-hmm. and you, you got to practice and you were yep. on for six years, five years, of, yeah. five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how did that change your life? Oh, or did it? I mean, in such a huge way. I feel like I really yeah. grew up on that show in a way because I was 17 when I got it. Um, and it was my first time going to set like without my mom. You know, it was like mm. I was old enough to go. It was great. I loved it. The cast was amazing. The writing obviously was insane. Um, yeah. It was this is definitely the hands down the best like work experience I've ever had in my life as an actor. Yeah. That's incredible. Hey, can, can we uh, sidebar real fast and just talk yeah. about um, the current strike that's going on? Mm-hmm. And uh, if, if would you mind just kind of in your own words, just uh, talking about what it's about? Who yeah. you know that first for those that don't understand what's going on? Yeah, sure. So um, first, it started off with the Writers Guild. Those are you know the professional union writers. They weren't getting a fair pay, and so they went on strike. And it was this looming contract ending for Screen Actors Guild and AFTRA, which is the Actors Union and like the voiceover union uh, merged together a few years ago. And so that's all actors, film, television, everything, except for theater, which is equity. Um, So essentially, once streamers started being implemented into our worlds, which hasn't been that long, the archaic system of um, residual. It's not archaic. It's a very wonderful uh, system because you can survive off your residuals if you're an actor, meaning if you have a television show and it keeps airing, you keep getting paid and paid and paid. So with the streaming services, 
they don't do the residuals in the same format. So you could be on a Netflix show and not be getting any residuals or smaller amounts of residuals. Like it just was dwindling, dwindling. And the biggest issue for me, like as a mom of three and somebody who has her whole family on her health insurance, you have to make a certain amount of money for your, for you to qualify. And when I was, I've never even like told anybody this before because I had some shame around it, but I feel like since this has all come out, when I um, gave birth to my second daughter, I lost my health insurance because Mm. I didn't have any money coming in because I wasn't working. Um, and that's a really scary thing, you know, and I, I eventually yeah. I got it back, but, um, for a lot of actors, it's not so easy to just like, Oh, got to go back to work and like have to get it back. Um, so that's a really big one. And then there's this huge issue of AI, which I, I actually think that's the toughest one. Cause it's almost like impossible to negotiate it. Cause no one really knows what it yeah, is specifically. Exactly. And it's yeah. also just like off and running. It's happening. It's not like a looming thing. Like AI might one day let's cover ourselves in case AI. It's like, it's a thing it's happening. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know how you feel about that as a, you know, cinematographer, like your job. Yeah, could go I, away I think too. Um, I, it could, especially in commercial work, uh, projects, you know, and we've, we've talked, I had um, a, a cinematographer or, a, um, oh man, I forgot his name. Uh, Oren. He's really something. great though. He's so, he's the best. He's, he's so good. He's fantastic. actually incredible. Yeah. But, uh, he, he and I were talking about AI and, um, and basically, yeah, it was just like the idea that like, you know, if you go do a union Jeep commercial in Montana, like those hundred union jobs, you know, to get the crew out there, to fly everybody out to find the location, to get the shot could essentially be replaced almost tomorrow with AI imaging. You know, it's like, uh, cause, cause every car that's ever manufactured, has a 3d render of it already and yeah. uh you, you just put that in you know just tell ai engine put this in montana with a waterfall in the background and boom you're done and so yeah, yeah so for commercial applications o- almost right now that's that's beginning to happen so yeah that that is worrisome i, I don't understand how for for narrative yet that's going to go away um but you know it pretty soon, maybe all of our establishing shots that we hate getting, you know, just that like, I won't be mad about. <laughs> I, I won't be mad about replacing establishing shots, you know, exterior diner night done. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I think in many ways it could be used as like a really useful tool, right? Like as a writer, sure. you know, if I'm on a deadline and you put it in chat GP, um, I want to write a movie about a dad of two and I want it to take place in Los Angeles and I want him to have this job and drive this car. And then you go back in and you like judge it and do the thing. I think a lot of writers are agreeing, like we're okay with that. But the person who has to go in and do the thing and fix it up and give it its heart and soul, it can only be a writer. Yes. And I think that that is extremely important. You know, I've talked to a lot of friends that are writers and they're like, fine, if the AI has to be implemented, let's do that. But the rewrites and things that it's like, AI can't write succession. Like I barely understand that show and I've seen every episode, you know, like there are certain things that I don't even know what's happening. Um, it's just, I don't, and especially for an actor, like because people love actors as their personal lives too. Like I, you know, my daughter loves Taylor Swift so much. I know everything about Taylor Swift. It's if she was a computer, I wouldn't care who she was dating or I honestly still don't care who she's dating, but it's just a bad example of like, there still needs to be like celebrities out there, you know, and people that are interesting to the world. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, yes, it's, it, it is, 
troubling. And I, and I do agree with you. It's like these uh, 10 years ago, the last time one of these contracts came up, it was just like the big players in the game were still the universals, the paramounts, the Disney's, the, but now it's Netflix, it's Amazon, it's Apple TV. It's, you know, it's like all, plus all these uh, bigger streaming platforms. And it really, there is, we have to negotiate that. Like I I completely agree with that, especially with residuals. I want to, I do want to talk about residuals actually now, um, as, as an actor, uh, how, how have residuals impacted your, your, uh, life now that you're a mother, um, you're maybe accepting less roles. Um, how have you been able to support your family, uh, with using residuals? Yeah. I mean, I think it's gotten increasingly difficult. Like I said, you know, the residuals aren't what they used to be. And they came, I think it was 2020 during the pandemic, they completely changed the um, healthcare plan and said your residuals were not going to go toward it. Um, I didn't know that. that. I had no idea. I think I heard a, this is just me throwing out a number that I heard yesterday on the picket line that 86% of union members don't qualify. Which is Don't qualify. I think it's 86 or 87. Yeah, something like that. It's yeah. not. That's ridiculous. The whole point yeah. of being in your union, it's like if I were to do. And to, qualif- to qualify, you have to make 26000 a year. 26000 So if you do a guest spot on a show that we all know and love, like let's say I'm going to be on Grey's Anatomy uh-huh. and you know I'm going to do three episodes in a row mm-hmm. and they pay you what they call top of show, which is. It's not top of any show. It's probably about 7,000 and I give 10% to my agent, 10% to my manager, taxes, blah, blah, blah. By the time that comes to me, I don't qualify. And then if people are like recognizing you on the street and you're like, you know, you were so great in Grey's Anatomy. I love that role. So meaningful. It's like kind of crazy. And I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people are seeing this strike as, you know, actors being complaining and whining, but there are very few actors in this world who don't have a second job. And luckily mm. for me, I have a husband who, you know, he works, he has his own, you know, so it's not dependent upon me. Cause if it was, I would totally, you know, be in a different boat. Wow. Yeah. So, so with that, let's talk about the, the move to directing, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, this is, uh, how did this happen? Yeah. How did it happen? Um, no, I know how exactly how it happened. Another like very mm-hmm. vivid memory. I was, you know, just trekking along, auditioning, going to, you know, getting my hustle on like I had done for so many years. And I had my second baby and I just kind of felt like I would pull up to auditions and something inside of me didn't want to go in. You know, I just like lost. It wasn't that I lost the love because the love's always there. I, I'm obsessed with it. But I didn't like feel like selling my soul as much anymore and going into mm-hmm. rooms and it was really hard for me. Um, and then when I wouldn't get a job, the place that I would be in emotionally bothered me as a mom. Um, I didn't Mm. want my happiness to depend upon uh, someone else giving me a job or not. And so I was just like very aware of those things and I didn't like it. And I remember I was at dinner with my husband one night and I was crying and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I just feel so frustrated. And he was like, why don't you just make your own stuff? Because you have all these scripts that you've written and you know, just go make one. And I didn't really even understand what that meant or how to do it, you know, cause this is even yeah. before this is like, you know, seven years ago. So this is before people are like making movies on their iPhones and maybe it's like the beginning of this. And, um, I just put the wheels in motion. I want to say the next morning and started calling old crew people that I had worked with. And, you know, my sound mixer was, he was nominated for an Oscar for La La Land because I went to high school with him. And, you know, I just called in the favors and everybody was like down to do it. And so it was really fun. And 
that wound up going fairly viral. Um, and that what was the project. Me, it's called Preschool in LA. And it was mm-hmm. just based on me going to pick up my kids at preschool and seeing just there, they had a bulletin board in my daughter's classroom and it had each kid's like picture and what they couldn't eat, like, and what they were allergic to. <laughs> and it just made me like think, this is silly. I don't remember this growing up, you know, no. um, yeah. or you do a play date. It's like, they can't have nuts, gluten, this, you know, and which is, if you have allergies, I'm not, you know, being, sure. you know, of course yeah. allergies are real, but I do think there are a few that aren't real and you know, some parent. <laughs> so it was just kind of like a play on that. Awesome. Uh, can you send me the link? Is it it's a yeah. short film or, or a yeah. feature film? Short yeah, film, it's yeah. a short film. It, I think it was like originally seven minutes and then it, it wound up getting sold to this company um, that it did a lot of like mom content called Awestruck. Um, and they wanted, I think it's three and a half minutes. So yeah. Okay. So how did that um, short film that kind of got some vir- virality uh, turn into checks in the mail? into oh yeah I mean I never I that movie cost me money because I self-financed it um I mean I think after that it was that was like the bug that I needed I was like oh wait I never had the confidence to direct you know like I would be on set and I would see directors and I just was so enamored with them and there were some that you know would change my performance and I just loved them and but I never thought in a million years that that would be me because I just never saw myself having that confidence Um, And even for this short film, I wasn't going to direct it. And I met with a bunch of directors. Um, And then I finally was like, should I just direct this thing and like try it? (laughs) Um, So I kind of fell into it. Um, But that day I remember any, and I'm in it. And I remember any time that it was like time for me to not be at the monitor and be, I, I felt like, oh wait, but I want to be, I want to be over there. I don't, I don't want to be in front of the camera. I'm like, so this is so exciting. This is so great. Um, and so I knew that that was it. So then I started shadowing directors, like, um, anyone I knew that was a showrunner or anyone I knew that was like a, a writer that was in a position to help me. I would send emails. I never thought I would send, but I'm like, I have nothing (laughs) to lose, you know? Um, and I took off about two years and just shadowed as much as I could. And then, um, I did a movie as an actor with Jeff Shank, who I just, oh, so much too. I mean, truly, um, I was in the movie, um, as an actor and I shadowed that director cause I was in Utah and I figured I'm away from my kids. I have nowhere else to be. So if I'm not acting, I'm going to just stay here and, you know, take it all in. And then yeah. he knew that I wanted to direct and, um, they had a movie coming up that they didn't have a director for. And he pitched me to lifetime and went in and had a meeting. And then I got the movie. That was a Christmas film, correct? It was, it was with Tatiana Ali. Yeah. Who I've have worked you worked with, with as her? well. I have. You yeah. have, right. Yeah. What did you guys yeah. do together? Uh, it was called a, a Picture Perfect Holiday. Mm. And uh, 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 Peter directed it. Oh, okay. Uh, Peter Great. Sullivan. Yeah. Yeah, they've worked together um, a lot, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. How was the experience then for your first your first <laughs> I mean, feature-length directorial debut? The imposter syndrome that I felt <laughs> like leading up to it was unbelievable. Um uh-huh. I was literally freaking out. I'm like, oh my God. Like, I remember I left that meeting and they told me in the room, they were like, great, let's do this. And I was like, oh, okay, we're going to, I'm going to direct the movie. Okay, yes, great. I can do that. And then I got in the car and I was like, I have to direct the movie. Oh my God. You know, it's like, <laughs> what am I going to do? Um, but I also was just so excited and I knew that this was my chance to like really, you know, it's like make or break, right? Like if I yeah. do a great job, they'll bring me back. I'll get other things. If it's a massive failure and I'm a disaster, that's going to be bad too. So I just came as like prepared as possible, 
And I never pr- pr- pretended to like know something that I didn't have the, in- like, I, I definitely was like in that fake it till you make it kind of a thing, but I also was like very aware. And I think because of all of my years as being an actor of the collaboration and listen, like Lars, you know, better than I do about this lens, like which one, you know, like I, yeah. but I'm also here to learn, but then on certain things, I know that I'm more the expert on this, but I just want to bring in Absolutely. everyone's opinion, but it's still really at the end of the day, mine. And I think that's like the kind of set that I try to maintain as like a collaboration. Which, um, so the film we, we collaborated on was called, it ended up being called Sweet on You. Yep. Uh, with, with Haley Duff and mm-hmm. Rob Hayes, Robert H- Hayes. Is that his name? Yeah. Mays. I'm so bad with names. Mays. Okay. Oh my gosh. He's going to kill me. It's, it's been um, a while. It's been, it's been a minute. Yeah. So I, what, what number was that for you? What, uh, how many films did you that do? That was the number six, uh, including okay. two shorts that I had made. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause yeah. I had absolutely no, there was no part of me that thought you were a new director um, <laughs> at all. And I'm not you. saying this, I'm not saying this cause you're on the podcast and we're, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to butter you up or anything. I mean like for real Marla, it's like the, the moment I show up on set, it was like, okay, she gets the, the whole thing. She sees Aww. the whole picture. She knows who she is as a director. She knows what to say to the actors to make, uh, you know, to get the performance she's looking for. And you know how to treat your crew. And that's, and that's something that not a lot of people know, know what to, how to do, you know? And so I, yeah. I, I can't tell you how much I respected that. And, uh, and what, that means what an a lot. awesome experience that was. Oh no, of course. Um, so, so you're directing now. Are you, are you kind of hoping that that's the career path forward? Yeah. I mean, I've definitely invested more time in directing, you know, over the past, um, I guess it's been officially like six years where I haven't pursued acting in the same way. Um, but I always feel like hesitant to say this because I think people think I don't want to act anymore and that's just not true. I just don't want to do it in that same way, you know, where I'm going Mm. on 10 million auditions to get maybe one, if that. And I want to work with people I love, but really at the end of the day, directing has my heart. I feel like finally I have found like this passion again. I love it so much. I love being from the very beginning to the very end. And I think, um, it's just, it's the ultimate for me. So I love it so much, but you know, I'm still at the end of the day, I'm an actor. I will always identify as an actor. I will take all of those opportunities, um, and just kind of see what that all looks like, you know, but I also think I have three kids, so I'm not really looking to like move to Toronto to be on a television show either, you know? So it's kind of, it's, it's like a case by case. Um, who's negotiating your rates for director directing projects? Are you I have a lawyer. Negotiate, uh, you, you have a lawyer that's negotiating. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Oh, any, and you any... don't want me dealing with money. I mean, if <laughs> I would be like, you don't have to pay me. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this Wait. is fun. I'm just happy to be a part oh, of it. Oh, I pay you? Okay, yeah, no, sure. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. Just like, yeah. uh, could you have a Venmo I could send? Like, I, no. Okay. So no manager, but a lawyer. So so when you are- I do have a manager a, also, uh, yeah. but when it comes okay, to yeah. like the negotiating stuff, he he does that. Great. Okay. Now, is that something that came through acting or is that something that just, uh, yeah. just happened when you started directing? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. He does both for me. Yeah. Can you talk to me about um, your work-life balance? Um, you have three kids, as you mentioned a couple times on the podcast. Um, and one of them is very young, right? Yeah. Uh, how, yeah she's so 17 what are the, what's months. The, 17 months. And what's the oldest? How old's the oldest? She's 11. And okay, then so I have 11, an eight-year-old. 17 months. Yeah. You, 
Yikes. Yeah. Um, can you talk, talk to me about um, what that looks like? How have you been able to have a family? I feel like there's so many people in our industry that say, you know, I love kids. I just, um, especially actors and it's in it. Kind of bums me out, honestly. But uh, I'd love kids. I just, um, I just don't see a path forward. Um, so, you know, what advice do you have for them? It's like when the work-life balance question is actually kind of like a little bit of a trap because there isn't is. one. You know, it's like yep. you know, it's like I'm either really good at being a mom and I'm home, and like right now it's <laughs> the summer and we're on strike, and I'm like killing it. You know, they're having yeah. like the best lunches. Swim parties camp. every day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That look like you know they should be in a magazine. Or I'm like completely gone, forgetting to FaceTime. And my husband will send me a text and be like, you did it again. They were waiting for your face. I'm like, oh my gosh, because my brain doesn't like, it, she does not operate like that. Um, so I yeah. feel like I'm I'm good at one or the other at different times. So I'm still like trying to figure out how to like be good at both. But like, I feel like <sighs> that's one of the more exciting things is being a director. It's like, Perfect example was Halloween. We were shooting on Halloween and I didn't want to miss it, but I also, yeah. my movie's really important to me. And so I'm like, yeah. Lars, can we just like, what do you think we could do to get out of here by like five o'clock tonight? And we did Let's it. it. We Let's both make it wanted to, I got yeah. kids too, man. <laughs> yeah. Like we both really wanted, we didn't want to miss it. And so I feel like yeah. so much pride in having that sort of power per se to like make those things happen or a six day week. It's like, I don't want a six day week. Because the weekends are for my family and I'm still going to be off, you know, if I'm in prep or I'm shooting, I'm not going to still be the present mom on the weekends, but at least they'll see me a little bit. And the movie I did right before ours, it was a six day week. And some of those crew guys trickled over and they were like, thank you so much for not making it. It's like, nobody really wants that. And so if I'm in the position where I can like tweak it a little, I'm going to do it, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that work life balance is really hard. And I agree. It's, I, I hate when people put off the kid thing. I mean, when I got pregnant with my third, which was a total surprise, like no shame in saying that, like she was brought into this world for an absolute reason and she's the best, but she was not on the docket. Mm-hmm. You know, I definitely thought I've, I've worked so hard to pivot. Like now I'm going to go backwards and have a baby and not be able to work again. Um, so that was kind of one of my goals is, just get right back out there. You know, I had, I think she was three months old when I did my first movie. Yeah. Yeah. She was young when we did uh sweet on you. I think she was yeah. probably, was she, was she even, was she like nine? She months wasn't. Cause like that, that was last October, November. Yeah. So she was yeah. like seven, eight months, something like that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's wild. So uh, talk to me about the decision to even have kids in the first place. Um, what was, was that something you always knew you wanted? Uh, did you kind of like the, um, example that your mom said for you growing up? Was this, was it something that you knew that once you got married, that's something you wanted? How did it happen? Yeah, it's actually funny. I never wanted kids <laughs> to be honest with you. I never, <laughs> I was never that kid, like growing up and babysat, you know, I just was, I don't know. Kids uh-huh. like weren't really for me. But then when I met my husband and he knew that when we met, I was like, I don't Uh want kids. Um, Once we got married or maybe like once we got a little bit more serious, I was like, maybe I want to have kids with you. Like that could be fun. Um, Mm. And then, I mean, that's, it's the best thing ever. I would just not be who I am without my, my girls. Like I love them so much. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the, I, I, we've talked, I think we've talked about this a little bit. Um, I have like 14 nieces and nephews. And 
Yes, I love them. Sure. Yes, I like them. I have to say this because I'm on the podcast. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, they're listening. Yeah, exactly. But um, but I really don't like kids. <laughs> I just I, <laughs> like my whole life growing up. I just don't. I just don't like them. And um, and you know, it's like if, if everything changes when you have your own. You just go, okay, this is this is something I yeah. do now. I mean, even I, still, like by I'm, the way, like. I like my my really good friends' kids. Like my my one of my best friends, her daughter spent the night last night, and I love her. But like uh-huh. you know, once there's like a random school kid that comes over, you're like, what time like, are you picking them up today? Don't like this kid. Don't like yeah, this no, kid. I don't like this kid. They need too many snacks. They're they're very high maintenance. Exactly. Like I'll do that for my kids. But like take it easy. So your roll. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, well, cool. Well, what else? What else do you have to say? Do you have any advice for young uh, uh, maybe actors or directors starting out? Yeah, I feel like my advice is the same. Like for an actor and a director, um, learn as much as you can. If you want to be an actor, go to classes. And if you want to be a director, you can totally be a director now. And that's what's so great. You can shoot whatever you want. We all have these little computer camera things attached to us at all times. Um, so that's always my advice. Like just get out and create, do the thing you want to do and don't let anyone get in your way. And if that is, I mean, I used to say like being an actor is so hard. It's not like I'm going to go in my room and like do a monologue. But now with all this like content creation and like there are some TikTokers, like I will be watching TikTok just like to mind them. And it'll be like a mom in Oklahoma who is so funny. And I don't even know if she knows she's funny. She's just Mm. doing like a mom bit. And I'm like, this is great. Like I actually like following people that are just like your average person than a celebrity because they're creative and really funny. It's so true. Yeah, and there's finally some some advertising opportunities for them in Oklahoma. Yeah. You know, it's like they get to they get to live there, and you know, like Dove will approach them and say, "Hey, we want you to do a shampoo spot for us." You know totally, because I mean? they like, want these little like micro influencers that they can absolutely. pay a little bit, but it's a lot to them. And I'm actually mm-hmm. been working with this one company right now where um, we're focusing on mom creators. Um, oh, good. And yeah, it's like you can get brands to reach out to you through this portal. And it's really, it's amazing for a mom who wants to still stay at home with their kid, make content, you know, you don't need much to do it. Everyone has a platform. Um, so I'm really excited about that. That's great. And then well, hopefully you, we'll be doing our movie soon. Yes. <laughs> we yes, have another hopefully. movie that we have to make together, but it's just, it's been such a bumpy road, man. Ugh. I know. Hey, it always is, right? It's movie yeah. making. It's always a bumpy road, but I'm excited about it. We'll so, get there. Yeah. Well, bless you. Thank you for being on the podcast. I Thanks appreciate you and your me. time. Yeah, of course. <laughs> all right. I'll um, see you soon. All right. Yeah, sounds good. Bye. Once again, thank you so much uh, for sticking around to the very end. Marla is wonderful, as you can tell. Um, yeah. Hey, guys. Let's uh, let's have a great week. Um, do me a favor and uh, go have lunch with someone this week. Reach out to someone that maybe you haven't, uh, that you used to work with in the past and you've kind of fallen out of... Uh, touch a little bit, reach out to them, see if you can't get lunch. Lunch to me is magical. I love lunch. Oh, hey. Oh, wow. Beautiful, Adeline. I love it. It's so cute. My daughter just came in with a beautiful bow <laughs> in her hair, and I'm going to leave that in because that's that's about as cute as it gets right there. Um, reach out to someone for lunch. Lunch is magical because it's not work-related. Uh, you just get to make friends with someone. And at the end of the day, people want to work with people they like. And yeah, let's do that. Make friends. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next time.